Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour. I'm your host, Justine Ward, and each week we bring you a classic show from radio's golden age. It's Halloween season and time to bring you the masters of horror and mystery. This week we have another of the Peter Lorre Mystery in the Air masterpieces and then an episode of The Mysterious Traveler. Mystery in the Air takes us to a macabre wax museum with a twisted secret. Enjoy Mystery in the Air, starring Peter Lorre, in The Mask of Medusa, first broadcast September 4th, 1947, on NBC. Mystery in the Air, starring Peter Lorre, presented by Camel Cigarettes. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will inspect the 47 wax images you see before you, I think you will admit that they are more lifelike, more startlingly real than any you have ever seen before. But the greatest interest lies in the fact that each one of these figures is a fiendish, sadistic murderer. Uh, But come, I begin at the end of the line and describe their horrible crimes. Yes, yes, there he goes, there he goes again, telling people all the bad things with it. Oh, it's terrible. Being nothing but figures in a wax museum. People staring at us all day long and not one of them, not one ever suspects that we are still alive. Each week at this time... Camel cigarettes bring you Peter Lorre in the excitement of the great stories of the strange and unusual, of dark and compelling masterpieces culled from the four corners of world literature. Tonight, The Mask of Medusa by Nelson Bond. Mystery in the Air, starring Peter Lorre, brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. Experience is the best teacher. Try a camel. Let your own experience tell you why more people are smoking camels than ever before. When you smoke a cigarette, it's your T-zone that passes judgment on it. Yes, your T-zone, that's T for taste and T for throat, is your proving ground for any cigarette. If your taste longs for really full, rich flavor in a cigarette, if your throat would welcome true coolness and mildness in a cigarette, Don't miss trying a camel. You may well find, like so many millions of smokers, that camels suit your T-zone to a T. How do you like this little fellow, huh? Oh, he's nice, Carl. I don't believe he ever did anything wrong. <laughs> ah, you women, always the same. You heard the lecture say that every one of these figures is the likeness of a real murder. Mm. <laughs> Maybe this little angel poisoned his wife, eh? <laughs> I don't believe it. He is too innocent looking. But they always are. <laughs> Except his eyes. They go right through me. Come on, oh, Abby. Idiots, idiots and morons. Can't they see I'm still... Oh, I suppose not. But I'd like to be alive again. Oh, alive again. I'm alive right now, but I'd be better off dead. I can hear, I can see, I can feel, I can think. But I cannot move. I cannot move at all. No matter how and now, I ladies try. and gentlemen, if you will regard these recent specimens, and if I may say so myself, they're masterpieces. <laughs> What's the matter, madam? That strange-looking little one. I was watching him, and he 
he moved his eyes. Thank you, madam. That's a true compliment to my artistry. But I assure you, the gentleman did not move his eyes. That would be utterly impossible. He is made of wax and other substances known only to myself. Rubbish. I'm English, my man. And you can't bamboozle me. I'm sorry if the realism of my exhibits has played tricks with your imagination. Imagination fiddled his English. If you doubt that my exhibit is exactly as represented, madam, may I return your price of admission? Oh. Here you are. Thank you so much. Now, perhaps if I might suggest a little fresh air. Well, I, I, I do feel a bit faint. <laughs> All these ghastly crimes, you know. Of course. I believe I'll go and have a cup of tea. <laughs> to resume, ladies and gentlemen, if you will step over this way, this way, please, you will see exhibit number three. The infamous hatchet woman of... This way, this way, exhibit three. Just listen to him. Day in, day out, we stand here while he talks and talks and talks about us. Oh, he's so boring. All he talks about are those silly incidental murders we committed. Why doesn't he talk how we did them, huh? Well, here in this room are some of the greatest artists in their lines the world has ever known. For example, just look at the ones on each side of me. Here to my left. That's Paul, his own. He was the most skillful man with a scalpel in Prague. He was wonderful. Even today, they even found all the pieces of the bodies he carved up now. And on my right is the beautiful, beautiful Magda. She always killed with a luger. She used but one bullet to her husband, and she did away with five of them. Yes, indeed, it's, it's an honor to stand between such exquisite artists. And as for me, I can hardly believe it was only three days ago that I, that I came in here with my own free will. My own free will. I... Uh, good evening. You wish to see my wax figures? Uh, wax figures? Yes. All around you. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, of course. And you mean to see... You mean you mean all these people are wax? But certainly. You know... You know, for a moment, I, I thought they were alive. A very natural mistake. It is, huh? By the way, is anything the matter? You seem nervous. I'm not What's nervous. the matter with you? Didn't you know... I don't... That's ugly sound. What is that? Yes, it's gone. I don't like it. Oh, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sure you want to close up. I'll I'll go now. Perhaps some other oh, time I'll be back. Oh, it is never and... too late to show my masterpieces. Huh? Uh, but first, I'll lock the door and draw the shades. Wait. There. Now then. You don't have to be afraid of being seen. Afraid? Why should I be afraid, huh? I don't know. Why should anyone be afraid? I don't know. Well, I'm in no hurry. Well, I suppose since I'm here, I, I might as well... Look over my collection? Yes, why not? Good. Permit me to introduce myself. I am Aristide Zweig, owner of this exhibit, artist and connoisseur of crime. <laughs> artist and connoisseur of crime. <laughs> That's an odd combination. Not it? at all, as you shall see. Uh, suppose we begin here. Do you, by any chance, recognize this one? This one? No, but he's very ugly. Roger Saunders, Englishman, oh. a poisoner, not very imaginative. Oh. Uh, next to him here is Nicholas Rodriguez. Hey, well, he killed with the knife. Wait a minute. And over here... What's the matter? Tell me, these people, they, they all have a strange look. Strange? Yes, oh. it's, it's as if... It, as if they had just seen something horrible. And, and then their faces <laughs> froze. And... Uh, perhaps they did see something. Something that made them realize the horror of their crimes. The crimes... Are, are, are these all criminals? Every one. All 46 of them. Murderers. Hmm. You must be very interested in murder to get up a collection like this. Oh, but I am. It is my mission. Oh, your mission. What are you talking about? Murder. Murder. That most horrible of crimes. Yes. I hate it. I loathe and despise its perpetrators. It is my mission to show the world these fiends in human form. To display them in all their brutal bestiality. Yes. That men may view them, tremble, and take heed. I see, I see. And yes. Where do you get your specimen? From the morgue? 
Not from the moor. No. I get them here, there, wherever I can find them. Oh, no, Usually no. I have to go out and look for them. As a matter of fact, there is one now I would like to have very much for my 47th specimen. Yes, he murdered a defenseless old woman quite near here, not half an hour ago it was. I heard it over my radio. He brutally murdered her and took her life savings. Did they catch him? Mm, Not yet, but they will. They're watching all the roads. And besides that, the old woman's money was in old bills. So old, it is now out of circulation. Mm. When he tries to pass it, they will know. And if they don't catch him, I will. You will. You, huh? Yes. Murder must be avenged and exposed by one means or another. Oh, yes. Uh, But forgive me for going on like this. Sometimes I get carried away. Let's get back to this next figure. A most interesting case. This man, Hans Schneider, who murdered by air embolism. You said Schneider? Hans Schneider? Yes. Look, I knew him. He disappeared. He was never captured. He wasn't even suspected. None of them were. How, How did you get them here? I told you, sir, I am an artist. I have my own methods of reproducing their likenesses. Wait, wait a minute. Is that a model of Schneider, or or is that Schneider himself? Uh, How in the world did you happen to guess? You're quite correct. It is Schneider. This is monstrous. Not at all. You just do not understand. Yes, I do. I understand you. You dirty hypocrite. You, You say you hate murder, and yet... You've killed everyone in this room, you... No, I didn't kill them. How did you do it, huh? Poison, knife, or or did you dip them into boiling wax alive? None of those things. They're not dead. They're not dead, huh? What did you say? They're not dead. They're simply in a state of permanent suspended animation. Suspended animation? Are you mad? Are you insane? It's true. I just let them look, and that's what happened. Let them look at what? Did you ever hear of the Gorgon's head? Hmm? The head of Medusa. Medusa, yes, of course. I, I went to school and I studied Greek mythology. Of course, Medusa was a... She was a very beautiful woman. Yes. And, and she offended Athena. And, and Athena changed her hair into snakes and made her face uh, very hideous and so horrible that all who looked on her were turned to stone. And, and later, I, I think, uh, Perseus cut off her head. You're and, right. And the severed head could still turn men to stone. Yes, yes, I know, but that was a long time ago. Would you care to look upon it? What are you talking about? Oh, it's here. The mask of Medusa was found long ago in a wild lost grotto in Greece. Where and how does not matter, but it has been the means of fulfilling my sacred mission. The destruction, the cleansing of the world of those who slay their fellow men. Now I know you're mad. <laughs> Perhaps I am the only sane one in a world gone mad. Oh, sure, sure. Tell me, sir, this uh, this mask, what does it look like? Oh, I have never seen it myself. The native who gave it to me warned me. I do not dare look. Oh, no, no. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. She... Listen, suppose, Mr. Twag, we talk a little business, you and me, huh? What do you want? I want your help to get me out of town. How can I help you? Well, that's very simple. Nobody suspects you that, uh, that is, uh, nobody but me. You put me in a crate like one of these 46 models you're so proud of and send it off in a truck. Simple, huh? But why? Why should I do this? Why? Because you fear the police as much as I do. You fear the police? You are a murderer. I didn't say that. You are a murderer. No more than you are. But I didn't kill them. I told you I didn't kill them. Yes, yes, you told me. It's a fine story, but who is going to believe it? Police? Yes. No, sir, no. If the police come here, and I'll make sure that they come here. It would take money. Money, money. Here is money, all the money you need. Uh, when I ah, I thought so. Why? That money, those old bills. So it was you. You were the one who murdered the old woman and took her savings. I thought oh, so all along. Yes, I thought stupid so. stupid woman, if she hadn't resisted wait, me, she... Wait, I have something in this cabinet I want to show you. Look, look, no tricks. You hear me or the police comes in. Hey, what's I in didn't that want sack? to do this. I what never want to sack? do it, but it must be done. You don't want to do Look, what? murderer, upon be... the crimson Why mask you of Medusa. About you yes, look, look upon the don't mask of Medusa. My leg. Look. Look. My hands are... Uh, now, 
number 47. In a few moments, Mr. Peter Lorre will bring us the climax of tonight's mystery in the air when camels present Act Two of The Mask of Medusa. It's been proved time and time again in work, in sports, in everything we do. Experience is the best teacher. Ace Midget Auto Racer, Walter Ader, proved it conclusively when two other cars crashed and almost blocked the track during a recent championship race. Roaring up at 100 miles an hour, Walter Ader squeaked through an opening only inches wider than his car. Mr. Ader said, Experience is the best teacher. In choosing cigarettes as well as in auto racing. I've smoked most all the brands. Camels suit me best. Yes, experience is the best teacher. Smokers learned how true that is during the wartime cigarette shortage. Smoking so many different brands when there was no choice made folks experts on judging the differences in cigarette quality. Well, that proved to thousands and thousands of smokers that there's nothing like Camel's rich, full flavor. Nothing like Camel's cool mildness. Result? More people are smoking Camel's than ever before. Experience is the best teacher. Try a Camel yourself. Now a new crowd is viewing the attractions of Aristide Swag's Wax Museum. The lifelike, living but not breathing, images of the 47 murderers. Oh. Come, Hilda. Let's go outside. I don't like this place. Wait. Here's one we didn't see. I don't know how you can stand there looking at them. The murderers. And their faces. <laughs> This little one isn't so bad. If he was alive, I could go for him. No, no, he's horrible. Come on, I can't. Oh, I could crush her skull. Stupid idiots know it. It is not pleasant to be stared at day after day by people who know nothing of life or death, at least not, not as we know it. The living dead, yes, that's what we are in here. He is responsible. Oh, if we could only somehow, somehow get back to normal... Even for a little bit, oh, what we could do, all of us, what we could do. Now it's midnight. It's very still. Something odd is happening. Just a little while ago, my, my mind was blank. I, I wasn't thinking about anything. But, but suddenly, a thought came into my head. Yes, uh, suddenly, out of nowhere. Yes, we there. can protect Here it is again. If we try. Who? Who is what? Magda, standing next to you. Yes? Think, think hard. If we all think together, perhaps we can make somebody help us. Yes. Yes, of course. Oh, oh that's wonderful, Magda. Hard. She's wonderful, of course. Forty-seven minds trained in crime, all concentrating at once on somebody who comes in here to look. <laughs> if we try, if we try hard enough, we could make him do anything. Maybe we could get him to... No, that's too much to expect, but, but still... Yes, another day has started, but today... I have a feeling of excitement. All night long, all night long, we concentrated, and, and our thoughts were getting stronger and stronger. 
I'm convinced Macda has gotten through to everyone. I have a feeling that something is going to happen. And, and just a little while ago, there came a thought... Mike is upstairs in his room. Yeah? We must watch the door. door. When the right one comes, mm-hmm. we shall know it at once. Be ready. I'm ready. Whatever is going to happen, I'm ready. There, there, the door is opening. Maybe this is it. Father, I'm frightened. I do not wish to look. It won't hurt you, Ilsa. Teach you maybe to get over your stupid fears. Now, you look at these figures, every one of them. Do you understand? And Father? Now, where is that lecture? He should be here. I will find him so that he can tell you all about these criminals. Think. Think hard. Yes, yes. There's no doubt of it. That's this little, little Ilse. Oh, she's the one, yes. She's the one we've been waiting for. She's the kind of mind we need, yes. Oh, how exciting. How exciting. Thoughts are coming in very strong. Keep, keep thinking, Magda. We can't be free unless something happens to that horrible mask of Medusa over there in that cabinet. If something could happen to that, the spell might be broken. Matter, what are you thinking? Matches and fire. Matches and fire. Yes, I've got it. Of course, I've got it, yes. Matches and fire. Matches and fire. Matches and fire. Father, where are you? I beg your pardon. I have to see my daughter. She was here a minute ago. A, a thin girl, about 16. I have not Man. seen her. I saw her just now over there with that cabinet, I think it was. She had a box of matches. Fire! Fire! It's working. All our trained evil minds concentrating on that one small mind. Oh, we simply overwhelmed it. Poor little Ilse. She'll never know why she started that fire. Oh, but but it's a big, wonderful fire. And, and the cabinet is burning. It's, it's burning. It... What is that? Oh, something's happening. I, I've just been able to move the little finger in my, in my left hand. Yes, yes, we, we can move. We are free. We can move. All of us. We are moving. We, the walking dead. Everyone, everyone is moving swiftly through the flames. Oh, they can't hurt us. Towards the stage, yes. Oh, we are a horrible company. Oh, how exciting! White faces, clean. The flames, forty, forty-seven. We are murderers, all of us, surging forward to get the man, the man we hate. Oh, yes, he's a murderer, but he's worse than we are. His victims stay alive. He condemned. All 47 of us to a horrible, endless, living death. There, there, it's behind that door. Come on, break it down. Break it down, you hear? God! Yes, you got him. What have you done to him? <laughs> what have we done? We've taken care of you, Medusa. Yes, we have, Aristide, and now. Now we'll take care of no, you. No, please, don't yes, I will help we you. You will. don't know the mask, you fool. No. I'll help you. You haven't yes. had the time.
now they're all gone. All but you and I. Yes. Everybody's gone back as they were before. Yes, they're gone. All gone but you and I. You and I. What are you going to do? I'll show you what I'm going to do. Look, Aristide. What? Look here. You hear me? Yes. Yes. Crimson mask of Medusa. You... Oh, look, look. Your feet. Oh, well, I know it. Look at your legs, your hands. Oh, you can. You're not even able to talk anymore. Yes, you. Now you have looked upon the mask of Medusa. You idiot. You. Uh, I forgot. I, I looked at it too. <sighs> Here we are, back again, yes, all of us. The finest criminal minds in the world. Oh, it's the elite, the cream of crime. Now we are just wax figures in a sideshow. Yes, but now, now there are 48 of us. <laughs> oh, I suppose uh, we should feel honored to have with us the great Aristide Zweig. This way he looks quite natural, yes. Standing over there between Schneider and Paul. And at least he doesn't bore me anymore with his silly, stupid lectures. No. Now he doesn't talk at all. Someone called Albert is running the exhibit now. Oh, poor Albert. He's an imbecile. Albert doesn't know there was a mask of Medusa. Oh, we are much more intelligent than poor Albert. He, he doesn't even know that we are, that we are still alive. <laughs> cigarettes and free camels to servicemen's hospitals from coast to coast. This week, the camels go to Veterans Hospital, Sunmount, New York, USAAF Station Hospital, Kessler Field, Biloxi, Mississippi, U.S. Naval Hospital, Corona, California, U.S. Marine Hospital, Mobile, Alabama, and Veterans Hospital, Knoxville, Iowa. Three leading independent research organizations made a survey of doctors' cigarette preferences. 113,597 doctors were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? The brand named most was Camel. According to a nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Next week, Mystery in the Air, starring Mr. Peter Lorre, brings you an exciting story of gambling and sudden death. The Immortal Queen of Spades by Alexander Pushkin, with a special musical score composed and conducted by Paul Barron. Try Prince Albert in your pipe, and you'll know why more pipes smoke Prince Albert than any other tobacco. Men like PA because it's specially made for smoking pleasure, extra rich and full-flavored, crimp-cut to burn slow, smoke cool and specially treated to ensure against tongue bite. Just try a pipe full of Prince Albert. See if you don't get more enjoyment from the National Joy Smoke. And folks, be sure to listen to Prince Albert's Grand Ole Opry Saturday night for a half hour of folk songs, fun and laughter with your favorite folk stars, Red Foley, Minnie Pearl, Rod Brassfield, and the rest of the Opry gang. And his red special guest, Jimmy Wakely. Remember, Prince Albert's Grand Ole Opry, Saturday night over NBC. Yes, your dream can come true. Your own home, a college education for your son. Travel. Save for them and they'll be yours. Buy U.S. savings bonds. Buy them regularly. U.S. savings bonds are always safe, always profitable. Sign up for the payroll savings plan where you work or the bond a month plan where you bank. Listen again next week at the same time when the makers of Camel Cigarettes present Mr. Peter Laurie in Mystery in the Air. 
The artists supporting Mr. Laurie tonight were Henry Morgan, Peggy Weber, Lucille Meredith, Stanley Waxman, Russell Thorson, Ben Wright, and Phyllis Christine Morris. This is Michael Roy in Hollywood wishing you all a pleasant good night for Camels. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour with your host, Justine Ward, broadcast each week over the World Wide Web. You can subscribe at no charge through iTunes, Podbean, or RSS. Next, we have an episode of The Mysterious Traveler. Maurice Tarplin narrated the show with good-natured menace as the mysterious traveler we meet each week on a train. Heed his words when he tells you to... Get a good grip on your nerves with this episode about belief making frightening things true. Here we have a timely story about fake news creating a monster. Enjoy the mysterious traveler, If You Believe, first broadcast December 29, 1946, on Mutual. The Mysterious Traveler. This is the Mysterious Traveler, inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, and it will thrill you a little and uh, chill you a little. So settle back and get a good grip on your nerves. If you can. Where are we going? Why, tonight we're going on a little excursion into the realm of pure imagination. You've all heard the old saying, believe in a thing enough and it'll come true. Well, suppose, just suppose many people came to believe in something, something that couldn't possibly be real. Such as an artificial monster growing in a scientist's laboratory. What would happen? Well, if you want to know what might happen, uh, listen to the story I call... If You Believe. My story begins in a rambling old house deep in the woods. In a homemade laboratory, gray-haired Professor Jonathan Davis is peering eagerly into a large glass container that holds an odd, transparent, jelly-like substance. Ellen! Oh, Ellen! Yes, dear? Ellen, come quick. I'm coming, dear. What is it? Ellen, look. I think... I think I've succeeded at last. Oh, Dad. You look. Your eyes are better than mine. Yes? Isn't there movement in the protoplasm this time? Isn't it stirring? Just a little? No, Dad. There isn't any movement. No? You're positive, Ellen? I, I was sure I saw some sign of light. I'm quite positive, Dad. Now, please, won't you admit that what you're trying to do is impossible? No, Ellen. No, I will succeed. I know it. Now, come, we've got to try another feeding mixture. If you hand me the saline solution and dextrose, and I'll begin again. But while Professor Davis labored in his lonely seclusion to make a lifelong dream come true, something that was to affect him vitally was happening in the editorial room of the largest newspaper in the nearby city. Steady desk, Benson speaking. Oh, oh, hello, Mr. McGuire. Yes? Well, yes, sure, I've been reading Dan Duncan's special features. I edit them. I see. You don't think they've been colorful enough lately, huh? Well, to tell the truth, I agree with you. I've been meaning to speak to him about it. Yes. Sure, I'll do it now. He just came in. Right. Right. Good night, Mr. McGuire. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Joe. What cooks? The big boss just phoned down. What's he want? Well, frankly, he thinks you're slipping. 
McGuire thinks I'm slipping. Well, I like that. That's what he said. And I've done everything to get hot material except to go out and commit a murder myself. Well, maybe he's tired of murders. You want to know why you don't turn up something like that haunted house story you did last spring? Why, I don't. <laughs> that was a good story, wasn't it? There was a honey. Yeah. Especially the description of the way the ghost of the drowned girl walked around the house, leaving wet spots where it stepped. You know, I caught a heck of a cold walking around in wet socks to make those footmarks. No more than you deserve for faking a story. You're faking a story. Listen, Benson, any time a million readers believe a story, it's true. And they believed in that ghost. Every one of them. I'm not saying they didn't, but McGuire wants another story just as good. I've got a good mind to tell the old buzzer to fly a kite. Another story like... Hey. Huh? What is it? I think I got it. Hey, Ted. Ted Jones. Oh, yeah, Dan. Front and center. Oh, yeah, what is it, Dan? All right, dump your camera on the desk and sit. Okay. Now, tell me, what was that story you told me last week about some professor living up in the woods back of town, never coming out of his private lab? Oh, you mean uh, Professor Davis? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Well, what about him? There was a fuss over something he said in a lecture one day, wasn't there? A fuss? Well, it was more like an explosion. Hey, wait a minute. I remember that case. The professor claimed he could create an artificial man, wasn't that it? No, 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 no. He said that an artificial man might be produced someday. Uh, might be. Well, the paper said he claimed he could create one. Yeah, I know. Well, it made a good story, didn't it? And drove Professor Davis out of the university into retirement. Oh, the school didn't like the publicity. Water under the bridge, kid. Anyway, here's the old professor working away secretly for the last five years. All alone? No, no, he, he wasn't all alone. His daughter Ellen's with him. How old is she? Oh, she was 15 then, so... She's 20 now. Good looking? Well, I was in Professor Davis's class. I remember as a well, as a skinny brat with uh, yellow hair. Yeah, good, a blonde. So here's the prof secretly working with his beautiful blonde daughter at what? I'll bite. What? Why, he's trying to prove he was right. He's trying to create a, an artificial man. Say, you've got something there. Oh, now, wait a minute. You don't know Professor Davis is trying to create artificial life. Well, we soon will. You know where his hideout is, don't you? Yeah. Okay. All right, then grab your camera. Let's get going. Oh, now, wait a minute, Dan. Suppose you find Professor Davis is... Ah, oh, forget it. Benson, save me two columns. Come on, Ted. We're on our way. There, Evan. It's done. Now, we must warm it ever so gently. It'll stay at blood heat until morning. And then, Ellen... Oh, I hope so, Dad, but... Darling, if you fail again, won't you please promise me to stop trying to create this artificial protoplasm? Well, we'll talk about that in the morning. Now, uh... Oh, who could that be? I'll go see, Dad. Yes? I'm Ted Jones, Miss Davis. I don't suppose you remember me. Ted Jones? Oh, you were one of Father's students, weren't you? Yes, that's right. I'm a newspaper photographer now. Uh, could we come in? I have a friend with me, a reporter. Ellen, and... who is it? Uh, newspaper men, Dad, they want to see you. Newspaper men, don't let them in. Send them away. All right, come now, Professor. We just want to ask you a couple of questions, and uh, but we can talk better inside, so... Uh, there. Now we can talk like friends. Hey, but, Dan, we weren't invited in. How dare you force your way in here? Get out, both of you. Please go. Dan, come on. Professor Davis doesn't want to talk to us. Keep your shirt on, Ted. Just a couple of questions, Professor. Now, isn't it true that hidden away here, you're creating artificial life? I won't answer your questions. You just print more lies and ruin everything I'm trying to do. Then you are creating artificial life, huh? Young man, I... Tell me how far you've gotten. You figuring on springing an artificial man on us one of these days? You fools. While I still struggle to create synthetic protoplasm, you talk of artificial men. Go, go before I throw you out. Please go, please. Come on, Dan, we're leaving. Okay, we're going. Thanks for the interview, Professor. Read all about it in tomorrow's curse. The imbeciles. What do they know of science? All they want is to cheapen my work. Make it a sensation for the headlines. Oh, please, Father, you must get control of yourself. They've gone now. Yes. Yes, dear. Well, they shan't interfere with my work. Well, come, we must adjust the heathen. Ellen. Ellen. Yes, Dad, what is it? Ellen, the mixture's moving. This time I'm sure of it. The protoplasm... It's alive. Say, Dan, this is something. 
behind bolted doors deep in the woods, Professor Jonathan Davis toils night and day to create the world's first synthetic man. In a great vat lies a strange caricature of humanity. It has a head, arms, legs, a body, all of them fashioned of a pale green substance like gelatin. Nice touch, huh? Day by day, life stirs more strongly in this grotesque creation of science. Someday it may breathe, walk, eat. Now look, Dan, aren't you going pretty strong? Ah, forget it. The old man wants a story, doesn't he? Besides, the professor really is working on synthetic protoplasm. Maybe he has got a pale green monster in his bathtub. How do I know? Okay, Dan, but if you're faking this story, I know nothing about it. Faking it? You know I never fake stories. Okay. We'll set this up and put it in the press wires. By noon tomorrow, 40 million people will be believing in Professor Davis' artificial monster. By noon tomorrow, I'll be believing in it myself. And so, all over the nation, people read the story and marveled and believed. While in the laboratory, hidden in the woods. Oh, look. This time, this time it is alive. It is. There can be no doubt of it. The liquid is certainly moving, Dad. Yes, see? And the protoplasm is breathing. Listen. You can hear I've created artificial life, Ellen. Yes, I'm, I'm afraid so, Dad. Afraid so? What do you mean? I think she just hates down at the university when they hear of this. It's grown since last night. Yes, it has. The cells are multiplying like true protoplasm. That's why I transferred it to the staff tank. Now I'm that salt, acid, phosphorus. Oh, that, that must be grocery boy. Excuse me, Dad. Yes? Oh, you... Uh, Miss Davis, I hope that you'll let me apologize. We have nothing to say to you. Please don't shut the door before I explain. Explain? There's nothing to explain. You force your way in here. I came to apologize for that. Is it? Well, have you seen the morning papers? We're not interested in the papers. I'm afraid you'll be interested in this one. Look. Oh, how outrageous. That story of your father creating an artificial man is in every paper in the country, and I... Well, I feel I'm to blame, and... I want to make up for it. Can I come in so we can talk? I guess you'd better, Mr. Jones. But Dad mustn't see this paper. Oh, no, no, of course not. Won't he recognize me? No, I don't think so. He's very nearsighted. I'll just tell him that you used to be one of his students. And if you'll tell me the real truth, I'll try to get the paper to understand that Dan Duncan just made up his story. Who is it, Ellen? Uh, it, it's Ted Jones, Dad, one of your former students. He, he called to say hello. Jones, eh? Jones? Yes. Ted Jones? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Organic chemistry, wasn't it, Jones? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> You're the one who kept breaking things. <laughs> oh, Jones, I, I have something here you'd be very interested in. Come and see. Yes, sir. Look. That stuff in the tank. It's be alive. It is alive. Synthetic protoplasm, my boy, the first ever created. Breathing, yes, and it's also growing. Life becomes stronger in it by the moment. It's, it's changing color, Dad. It's becoming a pale green. Yes, it's growing fast. Very fast. I never dreamed that success would come Hello, completely. Hi, it's Dan. I thought I'd find you here. Why, Dan. Dan Duncan himself. Hiya, Professor. What do you want here? Oh, just a few pictures. Shot of you in your lab, so far. You have the nerve to come here after what you've done. What I've done? You haven't seen anything yet. You and your father are big news now. You're going to be bigger. Dan, you'd better go. Better go? I don't follow you, kid. I said you'd better go. There isn't any story here for you. No story? Hey, what's eating you? Aren't you here to get a follow-up? No, I came here to get the truth. Something you wouldn't be interested in. Hey, what kind of talk is that? Are you going to go or will I have to throw you out? Throw me out? Now listen, kid. You want me to try it? All right, I will. Okay. Okay, I'm going. Take your hands off But don't think you can get away with this. You're fired. And that's all right with me. And as for you, Professor, you and your artificial man are going to be so well-known in a day or two, you'll be getting offers from Hollywood. And so, with each edition of the papers, the headlines grew bigger. 
telegraph wires carried editorials condemning Professor Davis. Is it a man or is it a monster Professor Davis has created? By his refusal to answer questions, the professor led us to suspect that... Radio commentators spread the story to still more listening millions. A strange substance like pale green gelatin. Now it moves and stirs in its confinement, seeking to escape. This strange creation of the temple. And speakers denounced Professor Davis. And I ask you, can science be permitted to venture into these forbidden realms unchecked? Who knows what horror may emerge from the laboratory if we are not careful? This mad thing must be stopped. Stop! Oh, it's me, Ted. Oh. Ted, did you have any trouble? No, no, I got the medicine for your father, all right, and I I brought the evening papers, too. What do they say? Pretty bad. They're all using Duncan's story, and he shot the works. Ted, how can he do such a thing? He's a very plausible writer. He has a knack for making people believe him. If anybody accuses him of lying, he'll just say that he was misled by your father. I see. I'm sorry you lost your job trying to help us. That doesn't matter. I was about ready to quit anyway. How, how is your father now? He seems to be sleeping quietly. Well, I'm sticking around until he's all right again. Well, you don't have to do that, Ted. I'll make well, up. If I hadn't gotten into that fight with Duncan, your father might not have had his stroke. No, it was just the excitement. It's his heart, but I know how to take care of him. But, Ted, I'm frightened. About your father? No. No, about it. The protoplasm. Oh. It's changed just since this morning. It's changed? But how? It's grown and... Well, come on, see for yourself. All right. Isn't it? Look... Oh, Ted, it looks like green gelatin. The way Duncan describes it. And look, there's a vague shape like a head and... And the rough outline of arms and legs. Oh. Oh, it isn't possible. It shouldn't be, but it's happening. Something terrible is taking place inside that glass tank. I don't understand. Your father certainly never intended to create this. You know, all afternoon I've been wondering if father really has created it. I don't follow you, Ellen. You mean some outside force might be responsible? Ted, you know the old saying, believe in a thing enough and it'll come true. Yes, of course. Well, I think that's true. The power of belief is a tremendous thing. People begin to believe that, well, that there's going to be a depression, and there is a depression. But Ellen... They begin to believe that strangers and foreigners are enemies, and pretty soon they are enemies. They believe there's going to be a war, and war comes. Well... That's true, but what are you getting at? How many people are reading Dan Duncan's story this very minute, right now, while we're talking? Well, hundreds of thousands, probably, all over the nation. Maybe a million. And they all believe it's true. Well, a good many of them. Yes, Dan has a genius for being plausible. Then don't you see, Ted? Here in this laboratory is the necessary material for a monster. Mm-hmm. And out there are all those people believing in such a fantastic monster. You mean... You mean a million people are thinking life into the protoplasm? Yes, Ted. I know it sounds fantastic, but that monster was never created by my father. Dan Duncan created it when he wrote about it. Well, if that's true... There's no other answer. Over there in that glass tank is something that's alive only because millions of people believe it's alive. No, it is alive. There's no telling what it may become. Ellen, we have to destroy it. It'll break Dad's heart, but we can't let it live. Well, it's growing bigger by the minute. We've got to get rid of it now before it grows any larger. There's acid in those bottles there. That'll destroy it. All right. Yeah, yeah, I see. Here. Just as soon as I get it open, it'll take care of the creature. Be careful, Ted. It, it can burn you dreadfully. Ellen, Ellen, what's happening? What are you doing? Dad, darling, you're supposed to be in bed. I'm feeling better. I wanted to see how the protoplasm was. Please go back to bed, Dad. Your heart. Oh, my heart's all right, but I must be sure. Oh, it's changed. It's taken on a form. Yes, Professor, a monstrous, unnatural form. It has a head, 
arms, legs. But it can't have it. It's only protoplasm. It's all impossible. Unfortunately, it's true. I can't explain now, but, well, we've got to destroy it. No, no, the combination of my life's work. You can't destroy we it. We must, then. No, no, I won't let you. It's the only thing to do. Professor, look at it. It's crawling around inside the tank now. It's trying to climb out. But it can't be dangerous. It's just harmless protoplasm. Dad, it is right. You've got to let us kill it. It's just protoplasm, I tell you. It was just protoplasm. Stand back, Professor. I'm going to empty this acid on No, no, you mustn't. I will. Dad! Dad! Professor Tank. He, he fell against the tank and broke it. Is he hurt, Ted? Well, I'll see. Oh. Ted, the protoplasm is moving toward him. We've got to get him out of here. I have his arms. Quick, you take his feet. I have right. Oh, hurry up, Ted. He's trying to crawl out of the tank. We've got to get him upstairs. Can you manage it? Yes, yes. Come on. All right, easy now, easy. All right, just a little farther. All right, one more step, Ellen. There. Here's the landing. We can, we can put him down here. Now, easy. Easy. There. Ted. Ted, I can't find his pulse. Let me try. Dad? Ted, no use. He's gone. I'm afraid so. His heart failed him. I've always known it would someday. Ted, down in the laboratory. Yes, it's moving. Look, it's gotten out of the tank and it's crawling all around the lab. And the only way out... Is down those stairs and through the lab. We're trapped up here. Look, I'm not saying it isn't a good story, Dan. It's a whale of a story. But McGuire wants some pictures. Pictures? How can I get pictures? I can't even get into the place. I don't care. Just get them. You want me to bust in the window, I suppose? Let your conscience be your guide. And I know you haven't got a conscience. But make it fast. I want those shots for the late morning edition. All right. I'm going. With a camera in one hand and a bunch of skeleton keys in the other. It's looking for food, Ted. Yes, and it's getting frantic. Look how it crawls back and forth through the lab. It's been doing that for an hour now. Look how enormous it's grown. <sighs> Suppose it tries to come up these stairs to this balcony. Well, it may not. It, it has no eyes, no intelligence. It, it's just protoplasm, blindly seeking food. But suppose it does try to come up the stairs. Well, then we'll stop it. I have the gun here that I found in your father's desk. I'll use that on it. I don't think it would even feel a bullet. Well, we'll see. There. There, it's on the other side of the lab now, in plain sight. Stand back, dear, and I'll, I'll try a couple of shots. I hit it. It didn't even notice. No. If we could only reach those bottles of acid, that would fix it. But every time we've started down the stairs, it, it's rushed over to wait for us. You must feel the vibrations, but I'm going to take one more try. Ted, please be careful. Yes, I will. I'll tiptoe down one step at a time. Perhaps I can avoid attracting its attention this time. What's it doing now? Lying quiet, as if it was listening. Like quite a few seconds more. I'm almost at the bottom. Ted, quick! It's coming this way! Oh, Ted, it almost got you. Yes, it did touch my foot, but I wasn't interested in getting any better acquainted. What are we going to do now? I don't know. I don't know, Ellen. I hope we could only reach that acid. I wonder if it would make any difference if we turned out the lights. They can be controlled from up here, can't they? Oh, yes, but what good would that do? Well, in the dark, it might become inactive. Some elementary organisms are like that. Well, we can try it. Okay, I'll, I'll turn out the light. There. Pitch black now. But it's still moving around. Well, we'll, we'll just wait a moment. Listen. What is it? I heard footsteps outside the house. Footsteps? Just listen. Someone coming in the front door. Yeah, there's someone in the lab. But who would... Good heavens, Ellen. Duncan, is that you, Dan? Dan, answer me. Is that you? Get out. Get out. Quick. Okay, kid. Keep your shirt on. I'm going as soon as I get a picture of this joint. But, Dan, you don't understand. It's loose. Get away. Quick. 
Ellen, turn on that light. Yes, sir. <laughs> you can't scare me, kid. I came to get a picture, and I'm going to get it. <laughs> run, man, run! run. <laughs> Ellen, Ellen, don't run. Don't run. Oh, we got to save it. Oh, Here, you take this one. I'll take one. We'll break them over it, understand? Yes, sir. Well, come on, then. Eating it. Oh, and your bottle now. Don't feel like that horse enough to kill anything. The acid is burning into it. It's killing it. Ellen is dying. It's not moving anymore. It's not breathing either. We've killed it starting to melt away. It's dissolving. Now that it's dead, it's turning back into the liquid it started from. The substance that the belief of millions gave an unreal life to. Well, it's gone back to a liquid now. There's nothing left of it. It's gone as if it had never existed. Except for Dan Duncan. Oh, Tim. There's nothing we can do for him, Ellen. He's dead. Created the monster. It's killed him. This is the mysterious traveler again. Well, maybe it's true about believing in things and making them happen. Wars and depressions and the artificial monsters and things like that. I think I'll make a New Year's resolution to be careful what I believe in 1947. Uh, no more believing in bogeymen or spooks. I might meet one. Instead, I'll try believing in some of the, uh, some of the nicer things for a change, such as peace and goodwill among nations. Well, if I can get enough people to join me, maybe they'll come true and Oh, you'll have to get off here. I'm sorry. But I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at this time. You've just heard The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and terrifying. In today's cast were Maurice Toplin, Chuck Webster, Louise Fitch, Wendell Holmes, Edgar Staley, and Bill Smith. Original music was played by Doc Whipple. The Mysterious Traveler is written, produced, and directed by Bob Arthur and David Kogan. And now, a preview of next week's strange and shivery story by The Mysterious Traveler. It's only two days now to New Year's Eve. Were you planning a big celebration to greet 1947? I'd be careful if I were you. Because, you see, our story next week is about a man who did just that. In fact, it was such a big celebration that when he got over it, it wasn't 1947 at all, but 1948. He lost a whole year out of his life. And when he finally got the year back... Well, what happened to him shouldn't happen to a werewolf. So take it easy, New Year's Eve, so you'll be sure to be on hand next week for the strange and terrifying tale I call New Year's Nightmare. The Mysterious Traveler is presented from our New York studios. Carl Caruso speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. For a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the workshops of the nation's top mystery writers, be sure to hear Mr. Mystery every week. The famous creators of your favorite fiction battlers will be guests of Mr. Mystery. You'll hear short, short mystery dramatizations as well. Don't miss your chance for Plus Mystery Entertainment and hear Mr. Mystery and a well-known guest expert every week over most of these stations. 
This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. You have been listening to the Old Time Radio Hour broadcast each week over the World Wide Web. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us again next week for another hour of frightening entertainment from the golden age of radio. Until then, this is your host, Justine Ward, saying so long for a while. (laughs) 